Welcome, Gabriel Castillo. Hey, it's a great honor to be on your program. I understand you go by several names. Anything with a G, A, and a B in front of it, I'll take that. So you'll take Gab? Gab, Gabi. Gabi, Gabriel, Gabriel. Gabriel. Uh, anything else? Gabby? I don't really like Gabby. That's a little Gabby. effeminate and uh, like a like an insult. You're so Gabby. You talk, you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, but, you know, in the Philippines, there Gabby is is Simbang Gabi. <laughs> I love that's my favorite Philippine holiday, Simbang Gabi. I say, look, they're having a celebration for me. <laughs> exactly right. Well, there's a Gabby is a, a masculine name. There. Oh, is it so, really? Yeah. Okay, good. Well, I like that. Even the name Joy. Joy is also masculine. Also, also a masculine. There's a the Jolly Bee. Is Jolly Bee all? Well, is that masculine? <laughs> <laughs> it's both. It's. Yeah. Uh, I, I love Jolly Bee. Oh yeah, I've yeah. never been there, but I've seen a lot more ads for it, so I think it's doing better in the U.S. I was uh, recommending uh, Father Houston go there. Oh yeah, because his uh, his current assignment is close to. What would you recommend? Because that's near the medical center. That's the only one that I've seen is right there on Main Street near Reliant. There's one in Sugarland now. I think. Oh, too. Yeah. I'm gonna have to try it out. What would you recommend? The the fried chicken. Fried chicken, all right. Fried chicken, yeah. I'm gonna all hook it up. I'm gonna hook it up today. We're gonna have some Jolly Beef fried so chicken. So Gabe, Gabby, yes. Gabrielle. Whatever you prefer. Doesn't matter. Yes. Castillo. Castillo, yeah. Okay, that's how you like it that, pronounced. That's uh castle in Spanish. Oh, I did not yeah. know that. So I like to think that I'm firm and unmovable. Shame on me. Two years of Spanish in college and I didn't I didn't know that. I, well, I, I had that name for many years and didn't know that. Okay. So don't feel bad. All right. That's good. So you like the double L pronounced that way. Castillo, yes. And you are currently at St. Teresa. In Sugarland, yes. And that your position there is the? Director of Youth Ministry. I've been doing that for three years. Prior to that, I was doing evangelization. Okay. The title was Promoter of Evangelization. When I first got the job, I wanted the title to be director of evangelization, uh-huh. but my pastor said, no, you're, you're not mature enough. You must be a promoter. <laughs> you're not old enough to be directing. But now I've been there long enough that I'm now director of youth ministry. So are you pretty much the counterpart of like what Katie does here at St. Faustina? I think so, yes. High school, yeah. I, I'm only in charge of high school, yeah. Okay. Now, But she- I don't play music. I'm not very fun. I'm very strict. I'm like the dad of the organization. <laughs> You're the dad. Yeah. Now you are a dad. Yes, I am a dad. I've got four children. They're awesome kids. I like them a lot, which is a blessing because it's pretty bad if you don't like your kids, huh? <laughs> <laughs> now, I understand you did not grow up Catholic? No, not at all. Well, I, I, did, I was Catholic only in name. So at most, we would go to Mass on Christmas when I was younger. And then I made my first communion when I was in middle school. Okay. So that was like sixth or seventh grade, but we didn't go to mass on Sunday. I, the only prayer I knew is a prayer to St. Jude because my mom being Hispanic, you know, the Hispanics love St. Jude. Uh-huh. And so he even looks like Jesus. So I think that they replace him with Jesus sometimes. But So I knew the prayer to St. Jude, but other than that, I didn't have any religion. So you were a CEO what is that? Cat- Chris, Christmas Easter only? Christmas Easter only, <laughs> very even then, very seldom. Not even a CEO. Not even, but I had a very spiritual nature. I guess we all have spiritual natures. Where I do remember having spiritual moments where like, I would go and open a Bible and I would feel like God's presence and then I'd close it and forget about it. And I played baseball in high school 
and baseball is a, a game of losing, your if you get bat 300, uh-huh. which is like only one third of the time you're doing good, yes. <laughs> you're, that's considered good. So it's, a, it's also a very superstitious game yes. for many players. Yes. And so I would watch uh, TBN before the games, Trinity Broadcast Network. Uh-huh. And that's where I got a little bit of Christianity, but it was a weird Christianity that I was picking up. But other than that, no religion whatsoever. I had friends who were on the baseball team and they went to various Catholic churches, did uh-huh. their confirmation and they were, you know, not outstanding moral citizens. So I didn't think I was missing anything. Oh. The only pious person in my life was a Muslim. So I was like, well, he's the most religious person, but no, no religion. Yeah. So, so the, the type of superstition that you had in baseball was like, you know, people with rosaries in their pockets and stuff like that. No rosaries, but or, I was, yeah, I wish it was like that. I wish I had some rosaries in my pockets. I'd have been good. And I just had weird things about socks and oh, shoes yes, and yeah. shoelaces. And, if, if you're, if you're in the slumps, yeah, switch your socks if, if, around. No, or, or yeah, if, if you, if you're hitting, don't change those socks. Don't wash those socks. Oh. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Fortunately, for everybody else, I wasn't doing that well and during fly, the games. Flies are good luck, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I don't know, but it was it was uh, crazy so, times. So when did you really come into your faith? It was in college. So I got a, I got a scholarship to the University of St. Thomas, a very good scholarship. And I accepted the first place that accepted me when I was in high school. I just wanted to be done with it. And so I play, put out all my resumes, applications, and University of St. Thomas came back first. Uh-huh. They gave me a good scholarship. They had prereqs like ethics and philosophy and intro to Catholicism. And okay. I just went there because of that. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll take those dumb courses of they're going to let me in now and I don't I have to pay less. And uh, when I started to take those quote unquote dumb courses, I realized that it made a lot, a lot of sense because I had always struggled with, because I was an only child and it was just me and my mom and a single parent. And I noticed that I hurt and broke my mom's heart a lot growing up, and I didn't want to. And I would okay. make I would make resolutions to not get in fights with my mom, and I still would. And I would still be selfish, and I'd still yell at her, and I'd still do oh. all sorts of selfish things. And I was wondering, why am I so messed up? Like, uh-huh. why do I keep doing things that sabotage the people that I love? Why do I keep doing things that sabotage my own life? Yeah. And then in theology class, at least in the intro to theology, I learned it was because of the fall of man, the fall of Adam and Eve. Mm. I've inherited this concupiscence. And so hearing that, I was like, oh, this makes sense. This makes sense. Oh, and then the philosophy and the ethics, and we were taking what's called metaphysics. So learning about the existence of God just from human reason, not scriptural, because I, no, I had no Bible understanding anyways. So okay. this is very helpful for me, t- uh, appealing to my reason. Yes. So I began to become a very intellectual Catholic. I was convinced theoretically, I was like, oh, this has got to be true. This is makes this makes sense. You can see historically, the Catholic church goes all the way back to Peter and uh-huh. Jesus and all these things. Yes. I was not morally changed though. So it was in the beginning when going into college, that really convinced me ideologically that this is correct. That's not a good thing. If you have an ideological zealot and no heart or no conversion, it's pretty bad. <laughs> now, you said that you your mom was a single parent. Yes, so I grew up without a father in the house. Yeah. So your father just... I met my father, I think, when I was 12. So they were never married. Okay. Um, he lives in Canada. I, I, I've spoken to him a couple times in the past couple months recently. As people get older... 
and you know life passes you on yes. you start to look back and you start to regret things and i think that might uh-huh. something might like that might be happening also all my prayers for him and for you know my mom and everything so does he have a catholic background um it's funny because his name is rosario okay rosario oh. martarelli <laughs> and i am constantly promoting el rosario <laughs> so it's pretty funny that that's his name it's kind of providential and it's also providential that I have such a good relationship with the Blessed Mother and I was raised only by a, a woman. So I think that there's some tie there. So, yeah. But how's your relationship with him now? Um, we don't talk about much. I've been calling, making an effort to talk to him. Um, we talk about COVID. That's what we've been talking about. Uh-huh. But I was invited recently to go up to Montreal the second that Canada will let me in. And I'm going to invite him to go up to my mission talk that I'm going to give while I'm up there. So we'll see how it goes. Did he uh, did he marry and have another? Uh, he he has a wife. Yeah, he's got a wife. Yeah. Do you have uh, half siblings? Um, it's oh, a very sketchy background. I think I might have a brother or something that he had with another woman. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I don't know. Very colorful. Yeah, it's a very colorful, <laughs> broken background, which I think a lot of people can relate to, especially like growing up. I felt like I was the odd one out, not having a father around. But now that I'm in youth ministry and I'm seeing half of my kids don't have fathers. Yeah, um, sad. Yeah, it's it's a pretty bad situation. And then also, when I was teaching, I used to teach uh, middle school religion, all of the kids who had behavioral issues tended to be the ones who came from broken homes. Mm. And they were always reaching out, not with their words, but with their actions kind of thing. So I kind of have a, a heart for those who come from broken families. Oh, yeah. So one thing that I realized that, because... Um, I taught in Aleph mm, for a while. That's why I, I went a, to school. I went to school in Holland Middle School, Elsick High School. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I that's why I'm so Elsick. quick. I can dodge bullets. Wow. One, one thing I didn't realize was that as a male staff member, I thought, okay, you might command respect. No, it's completely the opposite right. because a lot of these these children they don't have a male father figure at home, so a male is not an authority figure. Right. Yes. So I was like, why and then it's am even a competition. It's almost a competition to show who's who's the boss around here. It's not good. <laughs> yes. And when, when I was, and so what, what, what did you teach? I was in special, special ed. Special ed. Okay. Cause when I, I literally made a resolution as a high school student at Elsick high school said to myself, I'm never, ever going to be a teacher. I will never work with high school students ever. <laughs> they're so disrespectful. They're so horrible. They're uh. so or they're just horrible. I'll never do this. And then there I am. Okay, I'm going to teach middle school. All right. And then my pastor at the time, Father Urell, said, will you do high school? I said, absolutely not. Do you want to continue working here? Yes. They, will you do high school? I guess so, Father. I guess so. <laughs> well, I do have to correct myself. I yes. was not technically teaching sure. at A-Leaf. I was still working on my certification. Yes. So I was a teacher but you know, at But you time. know what it's like, though. You yes. know what it's like. You know the culture. You know that it's just tough. In college. Yeah. So you're learning about philosophy yes. and ethics and all of that. Yes. How how did that lead you well, to your faith? As I, and I, I have to qualify this, I always tell people I was the best of the bad kids. So I was hanging out with not the, I was hanging out with bad kids, but of all of them, I was the one who was the least bad. Okay. And then I would also hang out with the good kids, but of the good kids, I was the worst. So I was always <laughs> causing scandal and all sorts of things. God forgive all my poor friends that I led astray. But we, I, my bad friends were getting confirmed and they were going through RCIA and all these things that they uh-huh. hadn't done. And so I said, well, if these bums are getting confirmed. I should also go through the RCIA and get confirmed and receive my sacraments. And so a part of the process was you had to go on a retreat and going on the confirmation retreat, 
specifically during Eucharistic adoration, I had no idea. I didn't know Jesus was in the Eucharist. I didn't have any experience in adoration. And when they said, oh, we're going to go to adoration. I said, what's going on? What's adoration? Oh, you're going to look at Jesus. Like, what do you mean? A picture of Jesus? Or what are you talking about? Oh, no, Uh you're going to go stare at Jesus in the Eucharist. And I said, oh, hold on. What do I do during this? I don't want to look like an idiot because I don't know. I didn't know anything, right? Uh Uh-huh. You just, and so I asked the, my philosophy professor who I trusted was there. And I said, Dr. Rebard, what do I do? Give me step one, step two, step three. And he said, just kneel there, look at the Eucharist and repeat the name of Jesus for one hour. Well, for however long. And I said, well, okay. So I knelt there for 10 minutes straight. I was like, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm staring at the Eucharist, Uh Jesus, 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 Jesus. Eight minutes, I'm thinking, well, this is so dumb. (laughs) This is so dumb. And then I, I, I felt like I heard a voice say, my son, be quiet. Oh boy. And I said, oh, I'm going crazy for sure. Jesus, 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 Jesus. My son, stop. Jesus, Jesus. I was even louder, more emphatic because I thought I was going crazy. Uh And then all of a sudden it felt like God put his finger into my soul and I just melted and I started crying and I was bawling and and I had a deep, deep, deep awareness of the real presence. And more importantly, I think that not only was he really present, but that he was present because he loved me and that his heart was there. Like the heart of God was being expressed to me in the Eucharist. And I had a deep understanding of the passion that it cost him to be present to me. Uh And so after that, emotionally, psychologically, the faith in the real presence was no longer a idea. It was real to me. And immediately after there was some other friends, like I mentioned that were there. And I told the girl, I said that one of my better friends was there. I said, we've got to change. We, we have got to change. Like, what are, why are you crying? I was like, that Jesus is really here. Wow. We have got to, we've, this is, we've got, but when I was saying we've got to change, I did not mean we've got to change our morals. I was only thinking in my mind, Jesus is really here. I need to visit him more often. Okay. So now I was a public sinner who would go to the chapel <laughs> every day. I'd go to the adoration. I'm not, we didn't have adoration, but whenever we did have adoration, I'd go there. Uh-huh. I'd just go to the chapel of St. Basil every single day. I'd be doing my homework in the chapel between uh-huh. classes I was in the chapel, but never did it enter my mind seriously that I need to change my behavior. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was still, <laughs> I was a bit in the eyes of my, my classmates, at least, I think, especially the good ones. I was the biggest hypocrite. Because I would say, and I would be there, and I would uh-huh. even say to them, you, need, you believe in Jesus and Eucharist? Yeah, you need to go to the church. You need to go to mass. There's mass every day. There's three times a day mass here at the University of St. Thomas. They don't have it anymore there. I don't think God helped them. But then they'd say, look at you. How, how dare you tell me this? <laughs> you, you're doing all these horrible things that the world tells us to do. You're a bad person. I said, I don't care. Jesus is there. So, so, the, so that initial time that you that hit you, yeah. was that like a big jolt? It was oh. like melting. I can only explain it like, like if if you were a block, if you imagine a block of ice, and then uh-huh. you have one of those devices that you use to do a soldering, a yes. soldering iron. Have you ever used one of those? It's yes. really hot. Yes. If you were just to stick a soldering iron in an ice cube, the ice cube, you would just have a hole in it, uh-huh. and that's what it felt like happened. That it was like a direct touch into my heart, and everything from the inside out melted, and I fell apart. And uh, I, I will never forget that. It will always be permanently etched in my mind and in, in my soul. Uh, that that's really Jesus. And uh, when you really believe that, 
Uh, and there's like a love, and it was a gift. It was truly a gift. There's nothing I could have done other than recommend to people to just go to the chapel, repeat uh-huh. the holy name until you have a sense of his presence. But um, yeah, ever since then, things were not the same. When did you skip over from publicly sinning to, so when did you make that, that transition? That, I always tell people I was converted by the devil. <laughs> Really? So, yeah. <laughs> the devil saved my soul. <laughs> How so, so one year during Lent, towards the end of my tenure at the university, during Lent, I made a resolution. Oh, I'll just, I'll give up mortal sin. I'll, I'll try to not sin for Lent, like in a grave way, because I guess these ideas, this theology was entering my mind. Okay. And uh, I made the resolution. And then within two hours of making that resolution, I already did a grave thing very seriously that I knew it was wrong and I did it anyways. And so I went to bed that night uh, realizing that I have a problem, that I have an addiction to okay. sin, that I am a bad person, that I've been making excuses for myself. Yeah. And so I had, and then and then I was actually the cause of Jesus's suffering, that I was the reason why he was crucified and I continue to crucify him. Mm. And so I had true contrition. I think it was a blessing from God again. He's just constantly being merciful to me. And so I was crying in my room and begging God for mercy. God, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I had like an awareness of all my sin, all the people I've hurt, all the bad things, and an awareness that I, couldn't, I had no self-control and that I was not willing to, to I fight that realization that I'm weak and I am not as good as I can. I'm not choosing to sin. I'm, yeah, I am choosing to sin, but I am weaker than I realize. I can't stop whenever I want. And so when I made that act of contrition and asked God for mercy, I audibly heard in my ears a voice mocking me. Oh, Gabriel. Oh, God. Oh, oh so wow. sorry. Yeah. And so immediately, I, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, St. John Vianney, pray for me. Uh-huh. St. John Vianney, pray for me. And the second I said it, that sound went away. Where was this? In my bedroom. I was, it was at home. Okay. Yeah. And I was living at home, even though sometimes I wouldn't come home because I was out too much during college. And the next day, I was in my room again. And because I was afraid to be in my room, I had a pamphlet on the rosary. So I opened up the rosary pamphlet and I was sitting at the edge of my bed and I got the rosary out and I was like, okay, how do you pray this? Uh, I'd, I'd prayed it in a group setting, you know, because of retreats and things like that, but uh-huh. never from the heart, never on my own, never like this is something that I am going to take upon in my life. Uh-huh. And I opened up the pamphlet and I said, okay, how do you do this? The Apostles' Creed. I believe, and the second I said, I believe a a hand, a force, I can't say it was a hand, it was a force, grabbed me by the throat, slammed me on the bed. I can't, I I did not see anything, but I could only imagine that something was, and feeling like something was pinning me down, holding me down and choking me. And I couldn't communicate. I was trying to scream for my mom and I couldn't because my mom was in the room, in the house. And And I felt, like there was a voice in my mind. Uh, I can only imagine it was my guardian angel because it was like a like a clear thought came in. Okay. Pray. I, I couldn't get any words out. Say the Hail Mary. Wow. Say the Hail Mary. I, I, I couldn't get any words out. Only in my mind then the idea or the thought or the communication or the illumination, I don't know how to express this, this reality that happened, but uh-huh. it felt like an illumination in my mind was opened. Can, pray the prayer in your mind. So I studied in my mind, Hail Mary. And then finally with that, I felt like I could get the words out. Hail 
Mary. And the second that I uttered the word Mary in an instant, the room went back to normal. I had uh, an ability to breathe. Uh, My mind wasn't churning in circles. The room wasn't spinning anymore. I could get up. And at that moment, I realized a, a couple of things, actually. The first thing I realized is that I was a slave and I had a demon. And I've probably had this demon since I was young because I was doing all the same sins from high school through college. Uh-huh. Only more in college because I had more freedom and I had you know, a car and all these things. Yeah. But I realized that I had this for a long time. And then I realized Mary is critically important. That all I said was Hail Mary, and just the word, the name Mary in my mind freed freed me a little bit, and the word Mary instantaneously relieved me of this infestation I learned later. So immediately I went, got on the internet, and I was looking up, okay, devil choke, and then all the, and I typed in all the various (laughs) sins that that I thought it was at the time. Uh And I came across this website called the Padre Pio Center for Deliverance. It doesn't exist anymore. I looked it up recently actually, because it was such a great resource at the time. Okay. And so on the website, they were explaining that if you live in mortal sin, you're no, you're rejecting God. So you're rejecting God's protection. You're rejecting God's love. You're rejecting everything. Uh And that there are certain actions that you can do that open yourself up, which is mortal sin, which open yourself up to attacks from the devil. And primarily, if you have things that are intrinsically disordered, so if you have pornography magazines, if you have you know, witchcraft books or false God statues or superstitious uh-huh. idols, these are things that the devil can use as hooks or as entry points. That doesn't mean that just because you see you have a Buddha statue that you're going to be possessed or anything like that, but that the devil could use that because that's a false God, a false uh, thing. So, okay. so I came across all this and, I, and they said, how do you get rid of this? Well, you have to repent. You have to confess all your sins. You must get rid of all of these anti-Christ-like objects in your life. And then so that I, I read that and I was like, oh man, my house has got new age books. My mom had a lot of new age books. Eastern mysticism books. I had rated R movies. I had rap music that was uh, very disordered. I had all sorts of things so that I was just tearing the house apart, uh-huh. tore the house to pieces. And uh, my poor mom, she's been through so much. God bless you. Mom, I love you. You're a great woman. <laughs> you gave me everything but God. <laughs> but anyways, so I, my poor mother, she got home from work. She had a lot of statues, I, everything. Cause she had, she had elephant statues. I took the elephant statues. It's superstitious. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I went overboard. Uh-huh. And uh, at that point I was like, I would get home. I would put EWTN on audio uh-huh. because I could feel like, okay, if there's holy sounds around the house. There's not going to be, you know, nobody waiting for me when I get home. Yes. And uh, for the most part that took care of it. I had one or two more instances later in life. But nothing that was like severe, nothing that caused me trauma or scared me like that initial shock. But at that point, at that point, I was saying, no more. This is real. I got to get my life together. Their sin is real. The devil is real. Mortal sin is real. It's all real. The blessed mother, but even more so, the blessed mother is real and the blessed mother is powerful. Sometimes you have to do that in your life. Do something drastic. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. To, you know, yeah. to turn over that new leaf. Yes, yes. And it, it was an act of God's mercy. Sometimes uh, people are afraid of the devil. And once you've given your life over to God and to the blessed mother, anything that happens that even might remotely be diabolical, uh-huh. it's always in God allows it for our blessing. 
So that it's kind of, I imagine that the blessed mother had the devil by a leash and said, okay, I'll let you go for one second. Okay, stop. <laughs> <laughs> but like, he's, he's her monkey, you know? I mean, she's, yeah, you know what I mean? Like the devil is a monkey and our lady, she yes. just stopped it. He, yes. I, I was never in any danger. The mm -hmm. danger would be if I continued down that path. So it was out of God's mercy so that I could see that this is real. I don't want people to be scared who's watching this. That's why I'm, <laughs> I'm bringing that up. But you should be scared of your immortal sin because then you're, you've rejected God. But, um, but yeah, so that really, that made me say, I've got to be good. I've got to be good. I've got to try and be a moral person because there's consequences. This is not just a theory or a philosophy for me to beat somebody in the head with. Uh -huh. It's like a real, real thing. And, uh, is that what led you towards where you are right now? Kind of. So I, then at that point, I, I was discerning a little bit about where should I go from here? Okay. What, what am I going to do with my life? Okay. And I was failing because I went to University of St. Thomas for math and engineering. Okay. They had a three, two-year program. I wanted, you know, what the world wants, power and money and all these things, right? Mm -hmm. But I- What the world tells you is important. That's right. Prestige, good job. Because I came from Aleph, so that's like a lower income school. So I yes. wanted to raise above that and get a real job, like an engineer. I don't want to be a teacher, all these things, right? Uh -huh. And so I felt like that was what I was going to do. But our Lord, I really believe, sabotaged me because it was just like providential things that would cause me to get bad grades. Like I would miss the date of the final or I wouldn't know the, the date of the midterms and things like that. And I was like, are you sabotaging me or what? And all of a sudden, around the same time, my grades in theology, the mandatory classes, began to be A's, and my grades in math and engineering and the sciences began to become D's. Oh. So, and before it was the wow. opposite. Before I was doing really bad in theology. I had no, uh -huh. I had to take intro to sacred scripture three times. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I kept getting all the Johns confused. I said, John the Baptist is John the beloved. I, get, I didn't know that there was two of them. Uh -huh. So I was so, I, I didn't know anything. So, but then at that point, my grade started going up. I started taking great classes from a great priest who, you know, knew that I was struggling and trying to be good. And he invited me to go to confession. Uh, every day until I overcame all my struggles and all my obstacles. And I had no choice but to get a degree in theology because I was the only, they were going to kick me out of university unless I get more A's. So I had to keep taking theology of the sacraments, theology of the gospels, all this theology, the, the Christ, the Trinity and all these things. Wow. Christ in the moral life. So I had no choice. How did that lead you to where you are? So... I began to pray multiple, so I was still an addict to my sins just because I had this realization. Uh -huh. So I began to take on spiritual practices like frequent confession, praying all the mysteries of the rosary every day on my own, just to keep me from committing these sins. And I discerned that God was saying to me, I want you to be a teacher. I want you, you know what it takes to live in the state of grace, at least for yourself. Mm -hmm. Many of the addictions that you had your peers are also struggling with, because I've gotten you out of this, I want you to give me at least three years in education. I said, oh, I don't wanna do that, I'm gonna be poor, oh gosh, I'll give you three <laughs> years, three years only, because my math ended up getting better, but only good enough to where, if I had a, a way out, if it didn't work out in education, I could become, I got a BA in math. Okay. Um, but a BA, so I can't do real math, I can only think about math. <laughs> so uh, I got a job teaching, and then my concern, I took the responsibility of the souls of my students very seriously. 
okay. very seriously. And I saw the sins that they were facing, and this is around the advent. So this was the 2006 through 2009, around that time, Apple, Steve Jobs, great man, or at least I think he's got some things that I can look up to, some good qualities, uh -huh. maybe not a great man, but this is in the beginning of the iPhone, beginning of iPod Touch, where now teenagers, besides all of the normal temptations from the media, now they carry a pornographic bookstore in their pocket, or yes. you know all the temptations that come with cell phones and media that if their parents give it to them, they have access to just bad things, um, especially when they're not you know, monitored. And so I was fighting a battle, but at the same time, I was growing spiritually. And the rosary, really, the rosary is what I noticed once I started praying the rosary regularly, uh -huh. my life was like on rocket fuel. And so to help my teens out, my kids at the time, 12, 13, 14 years old, I began to put things on YouTube, not that I was in, just I would find talks like from EWTN, the audio library. I'd mm -hmm. put pictures and I would say, oh, for your homework, you have to go on YouTube and watch this because they'd go on YouTube and watch other stuff. Of course. And then so that's when I opened my first YouTube channel. So 2007, 2006 is when I started uploading things to YouTube. Where were you teaching at this time? At St. Lawrence Catholic School. Okay. And I went on a retreat, was very, this is probably the biggest turning point of my life. I went on a, a spiritual retreat with a very holy, holy, holy priest. Uh, I believe he's a mystic. He's, he's founded several religious communities. And I went to confession with a priest who also had the gift of reading souls. And I made what's called a general confession. Uh -huh. So where you confess your entire life. Oh. So you sit for like an hour, they give you the examination of conscience. Yes. Because, you know, once you start being a good man, you think, oh, I don't sin too much. But then when you look back on your entire life, maybe you've done something once, you know, once a month or something, I don't know. And then you add that up over a lifetime. Uh -huh. So I added up, I looked at my entire life, all of the evil things that I had done and I confessed all of those. And so I was broken when I was confessing that to him. Uh -huh. My heart was just, I realized all the devastation, all the pain, all my ingratitude, all my everything. And so the priest says, yo, you've hurt a lot of people. And I says, yes, Father, I did. And he says, do you wanna make reparation and then let it go and never think about it ever again? And I said, I would love that. He said, how about this? As this is not your penance, but as an act of reparation, uh -huh. as a means of you interceding for everybody and giving it all to the Blessed Mother, pray four rosaries a day, pray the full rosary every day for one year. And at the end of that one year, you stop and you never think about it and you never feel guilty about it again because in your praying the rosary, you did more good for them than the harm you did for them. And I said, do you, said, do you believe that? I said, yes, Father, I believe that. And then so then, but I was praying it before, but then it became a way of life. It became okay. a way of life of this was my rule of life. And think, because things were skyrocketing for me, I was like, wow, this is, this is gold. There's other moments where I really felt a divine call to promote it. But for me, this is my lifestyle. Which, who's, who was this, this priest? So his name's Father Bing. He's, he's colloquially known as Father Bing. He's from the Philippines. Okay. Father Edgardo Ariano. And he was, he was cutting edge at the time. He, he was telling me things that were getting me in trouble because he was saying, do you believe in Jesus is really in the Eucharist? And I said, uh, yes, Father. The priest that I, I confessed with is a different priest, but th at this spiritual retreat, okay. I said, it's really there. He's like, okay, then you kneel for communion. And I said, what? Nobody's kneeling. This is at a time even before Pope Benedict was uh, promoting kneeling. And he's uh -huh. like, you shouldn't receive in the hand anymore. And I said, why, Father? Because you're treating Jesus in the Eucharist like regular bread. 
And I said, oh, wow. And so he was telling me all these things that at the time were unheard of. Uh-huh. Like now you see people go to the TLM, yeah. they go to, this is, this was 2000. It was radical. This was radical uh-huh. at the time. So this caused conflicts and uh, frictions at my current employment at St. Lawrence because- Oh, really? Oh, wow. Well, your religion teacher, all of a sudden he's a radical now. <laughs> what is he doing? Now the kids are following his example. Well, uh-huh. This is causing conflict. So. Uh-huh. So I ended up leaving St. Lawrence and I was uh, hired at St. Teresa's in Sugarland by the wonderful Father Reynolds, amazing man, a great, great mentor in my life. And when I was there, I was doing evangelization for adults. But the youth minister there, great guy, Matt Johns, had said, hey, uh, you're a good speaker. We're doing this video series for the teens. We're going to show them little video clips of apologetics. Uh-huh. Will you please make a video clip? And I said, okay, sure, here you go. And then at the same time, my former students were saying, Mr. C, high school's tearing us to shreds. That's just beating us black and blue. We need you in our life. And I said, oh, sorry, I'm working at St. Teresa's. You come to St. Teresa now. Uh-huh. And then they said, no, it's high school. It's beating us up. Please make make us videos or talk to us, have a class or something. Okay. And then, so that's when I started to at least put things on YouTube because of the influence of my children, my, my students. What year was this? This was about 2009, 2010. Okay. And it was just in my car. I was just sitting in the car with the phone. This was back in the good old days where we were just happy. Oh, look, there's a Catholic on YouTube. Yes. Wow. <laughs> back when you could just be like this, unedited, no B-roll, uh-huh. no music, audio's horrible, thir- uh, 360p. <laughs> <laughs> 360p, those yeah, were the those days. Yeah, those were the days when the iPhone was 240, <laughs> 240p. Wow. And then you would just send the links over to the yeah. to your former students. Yeah. And then did that get you in the habit of making well, videos? Well, then I've, I had felt, like, I guess I skipped this over. There was always this desire to make movies. I was like, ah, I feel like God's calling me to make movies. And I really wanted to make a movie about Blessed Miguel Pro. Keep in mind, I had no idea, especially at that time, how to make a movie. You needed a big camera, all these things I had no access to. Uh-huh. So I had told my wife, we were recently married. This is in 2000. When were we married, my wife? I don't remember. God help us. 2007? 2000, yeah, 2007. We're married 2007. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I'd made, I told her, I said, if we come into money, $8,000 randomly, I'm going to use it to buy a camera. Sony FX1000 was the camera that I bought. It was very big, like three-quarter size chip. Uh-huh. And uh, she said, you're not going to get $8,000 randomly. And I said, okay, look, I'm just letting you know. And then, uh, <laughs> so at our wedding, when we got married- uh-huh. Everybody in our wedding party, the whole, all the invitees got the, not coronavirus, the norovirus, which is the virus that they get on cruise ships, which causes you to have diarrhea, an explosive diarrhea that will kill you. The diarrhea is so bad, you'll be dehydrated, vomiting so bad. So of course I got my $8,000. That's where I got the, bought my first video camera. But then only later did I realize you need a lot more than just a video camera to make a movie. <laughs> so how did that? How did you get? Because they got sick. Because they got sick, a lot of people sued the hotel. Oh, okay. And then the hotel just said, "Hey, just take this money." So they paid you all. The, yeah. Wow. So so everybody got eight thousand dollars. No, ju- well they offered me specifically. My other people got a lot of money because they went through lawsuits. My wife didn't want to do any. Uh-huh. You know, she was like, "Oh, come on, uh, don't be like that." So you were sick, we, sick. My like wife that. was sick, sick. I was only a very little sick. 
I've got wow. a stomach. I've got a stomach of gold. I was an only child, so I ate a lot of food <laughs> out of cans. So my stomach, I can handle a lot of things. What's the name of this virus again? The norovirus. Norovirus. It's very, very popular on cruise ships. Okay, another reason for me not to go on a cruise ship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so one of the one of the employees at the DoubleTree Hotel downtown. Uh-huh. <laughs> sorry. To, sorry. I hope this doesn't ruin any sort of clause that I made about receiving the money. <laughs> but uh, the the one of the employees had also been a chef on the cruise ship, and then they brought the virus back. And oh, but boy. our Lord used that to buy my first camera. And wow. then I believe it was 2009, 2010, 2011, some, maybe it was 2011, 2010. This is when my videos went from just being me being like, hey guys, what's up? Yeah. Uh, to up a level was because there was a film contest called the Goodness Reigns Film Contest. And they had various categories, an exceptional contest. And I had made a short film to enter into the contest because I needed more equipment. And the prize was either $4,000, which still wasn't enough to make a movie, but $4,000 or a trip to World Youth Day. And so I said, I'm going to enter the contest. And there Uh was a dream of St. John Bosco that he had about how his boys were not going to confession and the devil, the tactics that the devil uses to keep people from confessing. And so I made a dramatization of that and I won the contest. But so I won the 4,000, but there were only four entries in the contest in the category. So my video wasn't even that good, but because I won it, uh-huh. I won an extra 4,000, which enabled me to buy better equipment, audio, lighting, tripods. There was no gimbals at the time, but then this is another major turning point though. The host of the World Youth Day contest said, hey, nobody's choosing the World Youth Day event. We need somebody to come. I said, I'm not going to World Youth Day. No, come on, please. Uh-huh. We're going to have an event there with the filmmakers. And we're ha- so I, will you please come? I said, let me be very clear. I am taking the money. If you want me to go World Youth Day, you are going to give me the money and, and the, the, the trip. Wow. And she said, how about this? We'll do that. And then you'll do some fi- filming. Film the trip, make a little video. Oh, there like, you go. It's, it's a deal. So while in World Youth Day in Spain, uh, it was just like a typical, it was, I was shocked at how poorly organized World Youth Day was, just to be honest with you. Like it was, it's chaos. Um, it's straight <laughs> chaos. A million people, it's chaos. Yes. But anyways, so on, on one of the days I was at a church, the church of St. Dominic. I didn't know it at the time. I was just going to go to mass, but I felt the Lord saying, go to mass. It was a Sunday, I believe, Sunday at five o'clock. It was the last possible mass near my hotel there was the church of St. Dominic. So I went to mass there and after mass I was praying and I was in depression a little bit. I was going through a midlife crisis because I was working at a church. I realized I was looking back on my life saying, I have no future. I've got a degree in theology. I've got Uh a BA in math. I can't be a promoter of evangelization forever. Even even my pastor was saying, this job is a temporary thing. You better figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life. And I said, oh, so I was going through this. Now I wasn't even midlife, but I was going through midlife crisis. Like I've got to provide for my family. And so I was just pondering my life, asking the blessed mother, what should I do? And so I was walking around the church and there was a statue of St. Dominic. And I realized that St. Dominic was baptized there. And I felt like St. Dominic put in my heart. And again, when I say this, I did not hear things. It was like a, a strong uh, yes, a feeling, a, that, feeling yeah, that, a communication yes. that he was saying, you need to do what I did. You need to promote the rosary. This is, this is what you have to do. This has to be a part of your mission. And so I left there and I took that and I had always believed in it. I was praying it, I was living it, mm-hmm. but never was it a part of 
what God wanted me to do. And so from then, I began to study the rosary, study Our Lady very fervently, and realized that she is the key. So that's when, that's really why every everything that I do is to promote the Blessed Virgin Mary in people's lives. And, it, and it's just, it's scientific for me now. It's like, like this is, I choose her at first simply because she's the best way. Like if I was looking at this mathematically, you're trying to get the right answer the, as soon as possible. Well, this is a shortcut. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I even feel like she convicts me. She says, do you love me or do you love that I make everything easier? <laughs> oh, blessed mother, don't say that to me. I, you know I love you. She's like, okay, if you love me, then do it my way. Stop doing it your way. I was like, oh, blessed mother. <laughs> so let's double back. When, yeah, please. How, when did you meet your wife? I met my wife. The, this is great. Oh, my poor wife. I met my wife like three weeks before my second senior year graduation because I was a two-year senior at University of St. Thomas. Okay. So two weeks, and I was I was out looking for a wife. I'm not going to lie. I was looking for a wife. I was about to graduate college. So I was going on coffee, coffee, tea dates. Okay. I'd, I'd find a beautiful woman, and I would say, hey, you want to get coffee and tea? Tuesday, seven o'clock. Okay, next up. Uh, how about you? Wednesday, seven o'clock. And I would go through like an interview process. <laughs> uh, what are your life goals? How many children? Are kind you of like speed dating. Speed <laughs> dating, but I didn't want to spend any money. So we're only getting coffee or tea. And I would ask questions. What are your beliefs on sexuality? What about NFP? What about the theology of the body? Uh-huh. All these questions. So it, it, that way my heart wouldn't get broken. And so I saw a beautiful young woman in the school library and I... I actually did have questions to ask. So I was in charge at university my last year. I was called the student activities president. So it was my responsibility to put on activities for the entire student body. And we had an event called Spring Formal. I was in charge of buying the gifts, the door prizes, and I had a certain amount of money to spend and I didn't know what to buy. So I said, oh, let me ask, this will be my way to talk to her. So I said, Uh oh, beautiful woman. Hey, do you mind if I ask you a question? I'm busy. She was so rude to me. (laughs) <laughs> and she said, I'm busy right now. We're in the library, not supposed to talk. I was like, if you had $200, what would you buy? I wouldn't buy anything. I would put it in the bank. What? If you had two, come on, play along. If you had $200, what restaurant would you go to? I wouldn't go to a restaurant. I'd cook at home. What? what? You don't eat restaurants? Yeah, I'm a vegetarian. Oh, vegetarian? If you had $200, what technology would you buy? I wouldn't buy technology. What? I'd buy books. What? What's your email address? <laughs> She's like, stop talking to me. I'm trying to do my work. <laughs> What's your email? I have a lot of questions. <laughs> well, That's really how the that, conversation went. That is legit went. how it went. She was not pleased. She was not <laughs> playing the game at all. Well, I was some creep randomly in the library asking her really awkward questions. So I sent her an email with like, a hundred questions. Why are you a vegetarian? Are your parents a vegetarian? Do you drink alcohol? Are Uh you Catholic? Why, why do you read books? Why would you put money in the, like all, like, why are you the way that you are? Cause Uh that's not the way that the culture says to be. Yeah. A thousand questions, a hundred questions. It was at least 50 questions, like literally 50 questions. She responded back answering only three. (laughs) So then I, that made me more intrigued. Why did you only answer these three? Uh-huh. Why didn't you ask, why didn't you answer this question? Why didn't you answer that question? Why specifically these three? And then she said, I said, will you please, just to humor me, just go and get coffee one day? Okay. And then she said something like, we're having uh, some event. You can come to this event and ask me questions after. And then, uh, then, I, had, then I said, okay, this is, we're, playing, we're playing hardball here. So I had to put my game face on. But I didn't know at the time that she wasn't Catholic. 
because she never answered those questions. Mm. And so I, w- I remember I was a man of the chapel. So before our coffee date, I went to the chapel and I said, Lord, what do I talk to this woman about? And he said, speak to her about things that are true. And I said, what do you mean? He said, find out if she follows truth wherever it leads her. And I said, okay. So then, and that's what I found out about her, that she wasn't Catholic, she was Baptist. Okay. But she wasn't happy as a Baptist. And then, so I asked her all these questions. And of course she was giving the world the answers of the world. And I said, but and normally I just shoved, shrugged them off. But I said, if you found out that the Catholic church was the one true church, would you join it? And she said, if it's true. And I said, oh, Lord is smart. And I said, if you found out that, you know, NFP and contraception, contraception is a sin and all these things, uh-huh. would you follow it? Well, if it's true. Oh, I said, wow, wow. Okay. I see. I see. And, uh, and from there, thing, one thing led to another and I gave her some books. I gave her the, all the Scott Hans, you know, Rome, Sweet Home, The Lamb Supper, all these famous Scott Hahn books. Okay. And then I, I told, she, I said, well, you should go to the mass. I'd, th- I'd seen her at university before I'd seen her at church. So I thought, I didn't know I was going out with a non-Catholic at the time, like with the first date. Cause I'd seen her at the mass whenever John Paul II had died. And so I thought, oh, she must be Catholic, but no, John Paul just attracted so many people that even a Baptist went to mass that day. But, um, I said, let's meet at the charismatic center. And she said, oh, maybe it's like, it wasn't very serious. And I saw her cause I was at the time into the charismatic. And so we met at the charismatic, we didn't meet there, but she was at the charismatic center by herself. At the end, they go with the Eucharist and they bless people for the healing service. And okay. so I saw her at the very far corner. And I said, wow, look, there's a Baptist over there. And the priest brought Jesus in the Eucharist and he made the sign of the cross and he put it on her head. And right when he stopped and put the Eucharist on her head, the monstrance, she felt like this. Wow. Slain in the spirit. So I went over afterwards. I said, wow, that's Jesus. Look, you have to be Catholic now. It's real. Uh huh. And she was kind of shaken. But uh, what did she say? She was just in shock. And it's funny because, you know, we, we didn't talk about it that much, uh-huh. like after, because it's kind of like a very intimate moment. I didn't want to like prod and poke, poke about it. But mm-hmm. then- she told my, I overheard her telling my son recently. And I was like, thank goodness. Cause sometimes things that happened a long time ago that are extraordinary. You think maybe I'm, maybe I'm misremembering it. And she spit it out exactly like I had remembered it. So that was like, yes, I was right. Crazy things do happen all the time. Yeah. Wow. Before you met your wife, yeah. you know, you were, you were in university of St. Thomas, you were taking these classes, yep. philosophy, theology, yes. and all of that. Did you ever think about entering the priesthood? Yes, I did. I did not discern it properly. I did not, what do I mean by that? I did not go to the seminary, go on a vocational retreat, which I recommend every young man to do. I did not do that. I did not know about that at the time. Okay. But I did do my own personal discernment, which was, is not good enough, which mm-hmm. I will say it's not good enough because some people say, I'll do it like Gabe. Don't do it like Gabe. Gabe, got, Gabe was blessed with many things. So I would, I would go to the chapel every day, like I said, make my daily holy hour. And I offered myself to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'll go wherever you want. I'll be a priest if you want. I'll die if you want. I got nothing right now. And I very clearly remember him telling me, you have a spirituality that I'm calling you to share with others. You have a very monastic, the word I felt like you were saying, you have a very monastic soul. You must share the spirituality with others. And I said, okay. And I didn't know where to go next. That was like one of those moments of clarity that Uh that I had to share this. 
And I just knew that the next step was teaching, teaching. And then one thing I was very successful at teaching in middle school, the, one of the priests, my priest friend said, they, it was like they let a fox in the hen house. <laughs> so I was just, I was winning these kids over like crazy. Oh, but wow. then that put in my mind, these kids are not any different from any kid anywhere else in the world. If I can reach these kids, I can reach any kid. And then it was not just Gabriel. It was not Gabriel that was reaching them. It was the truth of the church, that the truth is really the lion, is really the fox. And when there's a culture that does not give answers about the reality of the meaning of life, we're hungry for it. And yes. that's why I think it was Scott Hahn, I think it was Fulton Sheen, all of them say that the church is like a lion. All you have to do is let the teachings out and it will devour souls. Not in a bad way, as you know, but in a good way. It will it will win, every heart is made for the teachings of the Catholic church. So I knew my method was, this is the truth with love, but in your face, I'm not holding anything back. This is a real deal. This is the nitty gritty. We don't avoid any controversial topic because if it's truly God's church, the controversial topics are the most important topics mm. and they will set us free. So I never avoid controversial topics. You went and you were doing your YouTube videos. Yes. Did you just keep doing that straight, same channel and everything? No, I, I branched out. So I started off that the, the first channel I made was called Colby1019. That was originally, because remember you'd have your URL. I used to like old YouTube where you could design the page with different graphics and uh -huh. they've, they've, they've made it too similar. Everybody's the same thing basically. <laughs> but, but I had a devotion to Maximilian Colby and I didn't know why. I didn't know his theology his mentality would be so prominent in my brain, in my mind, his writings in my mind. But I just knew that he liked tech. So I was like, oh, you'll be the patron. Colby, that's my YouTube, Colby1019. So I, I had that channel and that's where I, you can, people can go back and see. I was just uploading random homilies with pictures and <laughs> I was the original one that's putting all the- Just little Ken, reflections Ken here Burns, there. Ken Burns effects uh -huh. on stuff. And then after that, I thought, well, this is my high quality channel. This has a lot of subscribers. I will make another channel that just has, you know, me giving my reflections, my my my, okay. dirt, my dirt thoughts. And that was Gabi After Hours. Okay. And then that one began to be bigger than the other one. And then I would record talks, but I didn't want to junk up Gabi After Hours where they were starting, the production was starting to go up with only talks. So then I had to have... Uh, True Faith Talks. So I had three, I have three YouTube channels now. It's a disaster and it's a mess. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still doing that method simply because if I ever get can canceled, I don't think I will because I, I the most controversial things I talk are all church related and spiritual. Uh -huh. um, so I don't think I'll ever get canceled, but if I do, people will know well, he's in here on YouTube floating around somewhere. So You have three different places yeah. that you can be at. And then- you also have podcasts. Yeah, so those those podcasts have now gone to the True Faith TV, which was originally Colby One Hundred One Nine. Okay, that was that that went back to the original YouTube channel. But the thing with the podcast is, I'm not a good podcaster in that I don't give people what they want. I don't have a schedule. I don't, so I can never pod fade because I never had a schedule to begin with. <laughs> okay, so I will. I think it's God's will that I do it in flurries. Like right now, I have no. There's no podcast on my mind. I have no. I have. It's not an inspiration. But then, okay, 
You know what I mean? But then I, I have no doubt that when the summer comes back, that there will be six podcasts in a row. But like right now, I'm really heavy focusing on Gabi After Hours, making short form content. Okay. Um, and doing it in the in the way that the world does it. Um, so, so more vlogging style, but not real vlogging. Nobody wants to see me brush my teeth. Fake. <laughs> the world. Do, the world does fake vlogging. That's what's hot right now. Is fake vlogging. Oh, pretending, gosh. pretending like it's a vlog, but really starting with the main idea. Okay, I'm going to take you on a journey that's separate from this main idea, mm -hmm. and now we're going to get to the main idea. So, now the podcast that you had, I <clears throat> I listened to the Mary podcast. Yes, yeah, they're all Marian. So the so what are the different podcasts that you have? So they're all Marian mostly. So. And again, I had, this is all Mary's plan. I didn't want to make a podcast. Okay. I don't, you're a great podcaster. I'm, oh, thank I, you. I struggle and I suffer. I'm not a host. I'm not a good host. Like I, I have to have my papers in front of me so that I don't talk too much so that my <laughs> guests can talk. I'm not good at it. Um, but our lady really wanted one where she kind of pulled the shots and I didn't. And mm -hmm. I had put on my Amazon list a long time ago, many years ago. A roadcaster, all the various microphones and all this stuff. And in prayer, I felt like Mary was saying, I want a podcast. And I said, no, I don't want to do podcast. And she's like, you don't love me. I was like, I love you. I just don't want to do podcast. <laughs> and then I checked my phone. It was an email from some guy. I recently bought you these items off your Amazon wish list. I said, Amazon wish list. I have an Amazon wish list. I forgot that I even had the wish list. And it's funny because now I have a wish list and nobody buys me what my what I want. <laughs> but anyway, so I had the roadcaster, I had all these things, and I said, it looks like Mary's gonna get a podcast. What do you want to wow. talk about? Blessed mother, because I have nothing to talk about. Yes. So it's called the Children of Mary Podcast. And we just talk about whatever she wants, her topics. So it's just that one podcast. Yeah. The so if people look up the Children of Mary podcast, right. that's the yeah, one. The Children of Mary podcast. Yeah. Okay. I was under the the impression that there were several. Well, there's so no, there's there's several episodes. Okay. Yeah, there's several episodes. So there's, and this is me being cheating again. So we did nine in a cluster. So I called that season one, and yes. then we did nine in a cluster, and I called that okay. season two. So then. At some point, when we pick back up again, we'll call that season three. <laughs> now, who are your co-hosts? So my co-host is my literal assistant, my youth ministry assistant. Her name is Claire. She's awesome. She keeps the the youth ministry from falling apart. She does all spreadsheets. She does all organization. She does all contacts. She does all paperworks. She does everything that requires numbers, words, and forms. Okay, so she's the Joel. That we she's, have here yeah, at the she's, she's, she's holding it together. Okay. Yeah, she's holding it together. And I found her when Father Urell, the pastor at the time, had said, hey, you're going to do youth ministry. And I said, no, I'm not. I can't. I will die. <laughs> I can speak to teenagers. No problem. Uh -huh. I cannot do any of this other stuff. Either you will get me an assistant uh -huh. or you're going to have to fire me because I'm not going to do it. And then he said, you... I, I will get you an assistant. Go find your assistant. And so I went and tried to find the best assistant in the entire United States, in the entire world. And I did. And it was first and foremost, she was organized. She would send me retreat outlines. I don't want to do retreats. I, I want to be with my family. Outlines, activities, games. She knew, she was wow. just a brilliant, a, a, wow. wit, a whiz on all this. Wow. And I said, hey, will you move to Houston? Absolutely not. I'm not moving. What if it's God's will? <laughs> okay, only if it was. So she's very holy. Uh 
Uh-huh. Only if it's God's will. I said, okay, I'll talk to God. <laughs> but you have to talk to God. And so, of course, it turned out to be God's will. But most importantly, she loved Gabi after hours. So it is Claire who pulls my weight. I, I do a lot at the youth ministry. I give the talks. I do all the lessons, all uh-huh. the catechesis, all the fatherly things that the children need in their life. But she really pulls extra weight so that as she allows me and enables me to do extra outreach, which fortunately I've been blessed with pastors like Father Reynolds, Father Urell, Father Angelino, who know that to reach teenagers, you have to also be on the platforms that they are on. Yes. So I know when I've won kids, when they start wearing their sacramentals and when they say, hey, I've been watching your YouTube. I was like, oh, we won you, mm-hmm. we won you because now you're filling your mind on your own time with godly things. Now your other um, your other co-host. Yes, Keenan. Keenan, yeah. my brother and the blessed mother. I love that guy. Yes. So he is out for now. He's okay. out because he's he's a seminarian now. Oh yes. A seminarian. Maybe maybe he'll be one of our priests one day. Uh, hopefully we'll be blessed to get him as our our pastor. Uh, but yeah, so he's out, but he's absolutely amazing. He used to be my student so I, I, I tend to be friends with those who I used to teach because they think like me, they love the same things I love, but not because they're mine, but because they're the loves of the church. So yeah, they come back. The current plan now is all of your stuff, mainly you're focusing on Gabby After Gabby Hours. Gabby After Hours, yeah, that's, that's, where, that's, where, that's where the heavy lifting is done. That's where I think about it morning, noon, and night. I think about Our Lady, what's your plan? And then I, like you, I love the technical side. So when I'm, my leisure is how to make better YouTube videos, tech gear, A7IV, A7S3, Sony FX3, audio microphones, Sure SM7B, all of it. I love it. <laughs> Just like uh, Father David Michael, yes. when he comes in here, we we start talking technical yes, stuff with Herm it. and all of that. Yeah. Lighting equipment, soft boxes. I love it. I love it. I love it. So yeah, that, that it's always I've always loved tech stuff and. It was funny when I was growing up, I said, I want to be a comedian. So and I, whenever I get to give talks, I can't help but be funny. Not that I plan it, but I always feel like I'm funny. Uh, but I, I feel like I'm blessed. So for I'm not no Bishop Barron and I'm not anybody like famous, but I'm blessed in that I edit everything myself. So my videos, I edit it where, so I get to teach you with my words and also with the visuals, with the audio, when the beat hits, when the, the song cuts, Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I'm blessed in that I can communicate with my words, but also with my images. So Herman, I actually uh, took a peek at your studio oh, at Saint Faust, uh, me, at Saint yes. Teresa. Yeah, so you guys have your own room. It's a, an old classroom. Yeah, so I I managed to commandeer a classroom. This was under Father Reynolds when he was saying you need to find a way to make yourself useful if you want to have a job in a few years. The the job he gave me was only a temporary trial thing. Okay. And so I said, okay, I'll make myself useful. He said, I said, what would you like, Father? I want you to stir the pot. To which direction, Father? To the right, of course. And I said, how? He's like, you better figure out how. And I said, okay, Father. And so I started making videos and I didn't ask his permission. I I was a bad boy. I'm I'm trying to be better. I was under the philosophy of it is better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. (laughs) Permission, yes. (laughs) So I commandeered one of the, the classrooms. I... 
I blacked it out, blacked out the windows yes. so nobody would know. And I totally set it up as a fake classroom studio. And he did not know for two years until a, really? de a deacon was going around doing inventory. Uh -huh. And he said, Father, do you know that Gabriel has turned one of the classrooms into a studio? And he says, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about <laughs> it. Because I, I had the habit of doing that. My first video, the video I made on John Bosco that won me the film contest, uh -huh. he didn't find out about it until several months later. And he said, because I was pretending to be a priest and I snuck in in the middle of the night to film in his confessional. Oh, boy. And he, did, he didn't know. And he said, Gabriel, come into my office. I said, yes, Father, what's up? I saw your little video on St. John Bosco. I said, I'm sorry, Father. He's like, next time you use my confessional, don't put your hands all over the screen. Because I don't know what a priest does on the other side. So I was like, oh. through the ministry of the church, may God grant you pardon. Yeah. But I was rubbing my hand all over the screen. He's, oh, like, that, he's like, that's not what I do back there. And I was like, sorry, Father. <laughs> and that video is? It's called it's called The Sacrament of Divine Mercy. And where's is that available on that is, YouTube That, that, that is on True Faith TV. Okay. Dream of John Bosco. It's very good. That was also a scam. I filmed that. I had all, at the beginning when I was teaching CCE, uh -huh. I had all my kids sign a waiver about being in photos and videos and okay. things like that. But this is before I'd ever made any video whatsoever. So the parents had no idea really what they were signing, but they signed it. And the kids had to go to confession that day. So I just filmed them all while they were in line for confession. Uh -huh. And I should have done that. I should have asked for permission. I'm sorry, I've gone to confession. Everybody don't get mad at me. This was over 10 years ago. Uh -huh. I repented of my ways. So I filmed them. So they really were nervous. So that's why they look like they're such good actors. <laughs> <laughs> and then only after the fact did we rehearse some. And I had, okay, now you go in and now you, and then we'll, okay. yeah. It's a, great, it's a great video. It's very scary. Oh, and boy. one of the boys, the main one who commits the, the sin of murder uh -huh. in, in the skit, He's now one of my volunteers for high school youth ministry. He's a great guy. He uh, He's a great young man. His name's Kyle. Love him. Now your studio there, it's, um, you blacked out a lot of the walls? Yes. Is that how? I, I blacked, so it was a classroom. I covered one of them with black uh, material, felt, felt like material, mm -hmm. one with gray, one with white, and one with green. And really with those... You can make anything. You can put a blue light gel, yes. turn it into a blue wall. The gray, you can make it. Well, the white, you can make gray. The gray, you can make black. The black, you can make blacker. Uh, the green, you can use green screen. Yes. Um, yeah, it's it's gold. Yeah, it's it's a blessing. Sound is an issue. We we went and bought the cheapest, you know, acoustic foam. We sprayed it, glued it to the windows. Father <laughs> David was like, "What?" <laughs> I'm working on it, like asking for permission. I forget that I have priests that are all in. I don't uh -huh. I don't have to be like, you know, just doing it and hoping they don't find out. I can say, hey, Father, I'm going to glue things to the wall. But, and so he, he found out and he said, Does don't, it help that? I don't think. That, it didn't help that much. So yeah. what we did was we <laughs> taped cardboard to the windows okay. to add some sort of layer yes. and then acoustic foam okay. and then two layers of blankets. And uh -huh. the reason we didn't get the Sure SM7Bs for our podcast, one, the price, but two, also the Rode Micro, no, the Rode, the cheap one, the $99 pod mic. No, pod yes, mic, the pod, the pod mic. mic. Yeah. It, it, it needs a lot of preamp. And yes. so it does, you have to literally be eating the microphone. You have to be like on top of it. So yeah. you don't hear the children playing outside. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's that's another challenge. Yeah, children the playing school. outside the school, like the actual school that's built right next to it. You can't hear the children. And also on Tuesdays, they cut the grass. And so it's like 
I don't know. They say they're cutting the grass. They're using their machinery for all day. <laughs> but seriously, they, I think they're just riding on the machine back and forth. I don't know. Because let's see if we can mess with Gabby. Like, whenever it's and... time to film, let's just drive by <laughs> 10 times. I feel like going out and saying, hey, guys, it's short. You're good. Come back next week. But of course, that would not be nice. So what is the plan for the immediate future? Just put everything into Gabby yes. After Hours right so now? My, my, the way I work is my number one goal is to promote Marian theology, the theology of Maximilian Kolbe, mm -hmm. and the power of the rosary and its scientific theology. And so I space out the hard videos, like the ones that are like, pray four rosaries a day, convert, you know, do uh -huh. all these things. I space those out about every four videos. So I, I have normal content that would appeal. I'm as cunning as a serpent and as gentle <laughs> as a dove sometimes. And sometimes I'm as uh, not as cunning as a serpent and not as gentle as a dove, but I have it spaced out. So you, like the next video that's gonna I'm gonna publish probably tomorrow is on Catholic friendship, and then I have one on frequent confession. Then I have one called hashtag Young Trads or the future is tradition, and then I have another one. I've just got in my brain. I've got so many. And then on after that, then I'll release like an hour long talk on the rosary. Cool. Yeah. Well, we thank you so much for everything that you it, do. It's a, it's a blessing and an honor. It really, truly is one of the greatest blessings of my life. And we look forward to seeing oh, more of your you. videos well, and all your likewise, content. Likewise, keep and, up the good work. You're you're a real, real good podcaster. Oh, like thank I, you. And you have a great thing going on here. And I hope to hear more of your yes, podcast, too. And I pray you keep this up. Keep it up. Don't ever pod fade. You got to keep it up. Thank you. We will. God bless you, my friend. You too.